Welcome back to the next great episode of Turn-Based RPG Podcast here on thecoalition.com. We finally brought it back for episode 10, and my name is David Jagno, your host, and joining us we'll have uh, Gary and Eddie. Why don't you guys say hi? Hey, what's up? Hey, good to be here again. And Eddie is the same person that we used to have, Mr. Assad or AKQ. He has many aliases. And uh, yep. not to be confused with Edward V. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are definitely not the same person at all. Eddie Assad, uh, Mr. AKQ, same person. Good to be here again. Yeah, I'm pretty excited that we're finally back uh, for our tenth episode. I think it's, you know, it's been almost about half a year. So I mean, it's been yeah, quite it's a, while. Been a while. Like I mean, we've all been busy, you know. Um, You've been at university and everything, and, you know, me and Eddie, we've had jobs and stuff. Like, I just got a job a few months back, and my life has just been pretty hectic since then. So it's kind of hard to get, it's hard to get everyone together at the same time, you know. But because we're so dedicated, we felt like it was time to bring it back. So here we are. Yeah, I'm really excited. Hmm. And actually, the last episode we did was just our impressions of Mass Effect 3. And so that kind of puts it into perspective for how long it's been. And, <laughs> that was uh, like a long time ago. Considering yeah. how long Mass Effect 3's been out, we ain't covered anything much since then. We haven't covered anything at all since then. We've got a lot of catching so ba- up to do. So basically, we were so disgusted with Mass Effect <laughs> that we just kind of quit our podcast. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Not only did it ruin the series, it ruined our love for the genre. <laughs> All right, so I guess we'll just jump right into it then. Uh, so we'll talk about what everyone's been playing. I guess you can go first, Gary. Uh, okay, I mean, how far should I go back? Like, just the past two weeks or something? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, whatever's fresh in your memory. I'm going to, yeah, I mean, just... Because you can't go back all six months. That'd be kind of dumb. Yeah. Um, I'll just go back to, like, the past few games I've been playing. So, um, I actually played Diablo 3. That's one game I wanted to really talk about. I mean, yeah, Diablo 3, sorry. Um, It's a really cool game. I enjoyed it. I played a few times with Eddie. Um, (laughs) I actually kind of like the game. Like, I think it's really fun when you play with a friend. Like, if you play alone, it could be real boring. But if you play with a friend, I guess, you know, having that connection with your friend, you know, making, catching jokes and everything, like, it, it just makes it more fun to play. But, um, I mean, the game is kind of repetitive after a while because it's just like, you know, leveling up, grabbing loot, fighting this boss and all that. And at the same time, it's like the story, it, it it never really connects. Like the story doesn't actually connect. I still really don't know what what the hell is going on. I mean, I just know that you know you're fighting some evil forces. Basically, that's all I know. But it's just it's just one of those games that are fun to play based on routine because you know you get into that habit of getting better loot and then you want to kind of just accessorize all your your inventory, you know, sell stuff, get new stuff, and just keep building up your character. You know, that that side of it gets addictive. And that's the, that's the side I love in RPG games, period. So, you know, 
I liked those aspects of the game. It's just that the story wasn't really strong enough to grab me for hours. Like, I still haven't beat the game. I haven't actually played it in a couple of weeks now. But, I mean, I still want to beat the game. It's just that, you know, it's, it's hard to, to go back to the game because the story just doesn't grab you like that. Yeah, I mean, it's not very long in, in, in its entirety, so I th- I'd say it's worth beating just to watch the CG cutscenes. Oh, the CG was amazing. Oh, God. Hey, well, wait until you see the one whenever you get to the very last act. Oh, man. that There is a f- battle that is crazy. It It is awesome. Um, but, I mean, kind of like off of what you're saying, whenever I played the game, like in the couple days that I just sat down and played it like a lot and beat it and, you know, saw everything there was to see it, I mean, it was really good. It was fun. I had a good time, but coming from what Diablo used to be and Diablo 2, if you played that and you enjoyed that a lot, it's kind of hard to appreciate Diablo 3 very much because it wasn't the same developers. They left, so you know that the same passion isn't really put into this one. They have the auction house, not even the real money one, just the regular auction house kind of takes away from some of the things that made Diablo 2 so great because you would get on with some of your friends and go... You know, go on a boss run and kill a bunch of the late game bosses to try to get the really good armor, the really good loot, or get, you know, special stuff that was hard to find. But now you can yeah. just buy it in an auction house and it kind of ruins some of the things in the game. And yeah, see, I've, I never used the auction house ever. Like, I just I just used the loot that I, I found in the game. Yeah, see, even, even though, like, you, you can do that still, and it, I mean, that that's what I did. But at the same time, it just feels like the loot that you do find and the frequency that you find it and how good the loot you find is, is all influenced by the auction house. Like, the entire game seems to kind of be built around most people using that. And that's what Blizzard's primary focus was. It was really about the money. It was really about how much profit it could be made. I think because um, I really can't go back to Diablo 3. I really can't. After how amazing Diablo 2 was. And what they've changed in Diablo 3 so much, I was a bit pissed off about it, to be honest. Uh, first of all, limiting the game room to only four people, as opposed to the six or eight that could have been done in Diablo 2. Diablo 2, there were guilds playing that game together. And you yeah, got... like, I haven't really seen many guilds in like Diablo 3. I mean, sometimes I see people advertising in the comments and stuff, like, but... Mm. I haven't really seen like a huge guild influence for that game. And another thing, we were talking about the drops. Most of the stuff you get are pretty much useless and you end up being sold. And there's... I mean, yeah, it can get addicted that you want to find the weapons with the best stats or the armor with the best stats. But what's the point if you've already got the best stuff already? (laughs) Yeah, and also, I mean, all of this was talked about and the Versus podcast that me and Edward V did, and my review and everything, but, I mean, I just, I, I really don't like how they did the skill system in Diablo 3. Skill system. I mean, I, I don't even know, if the, I use that term very loosely. I don't like the way that they did the automatic skill picking system. Because yeah, that's so stupid. What, what, what didn't you like about it? See, when are, I, like, I, I never played Diablo 2, so I, I'm not sure how it was before. Yeah, but so I mean, you've, you've played other RPGs, so like whenever you level up, yeah. usually you can 
pick your stats. If you want to put however many points in strength, endurance, intelligence, whatever, you get to pick which skills you want to take on the skill tree. You can improve them how you want to improve them. But in Diablo 3, every time you level up, it predetermines what you get. Mm-hmm. You don't get to pick any of your skills. You don't get to pick any stats. You don't get to choose anything other than what's on your skill bar. And even that was hidden. You had to activate that in the options menu. And so, I mean, it just it severely limits what the game could have been if you could customize what skills you take, how you level them up, how... Um, how you want to improve them, all that kind of stuff that, you know, pretty much every other RPG has, and it just feels like it's lacking in a lot of ways. It could have been a true successor to Diablo 2 had they not just dumbed it down so bloody much. I think the skill system is actually the worst thing about the game. People may argue other uh, factors, uh, but to me it's the skill system. I can't tailor make my character to suit my tastes. I have to take a preset, some preset options and stuff I don't even want. And that's, that goes against playing an RPG. You're not playing the role. It's like you are, you, there's someone you're controlling. He's in a role and you are just choosing preset options for that role. You're not being, you're, you're not playing the role. You're not tailor making your character to suit the environment and suit the gameplay. That goes against everything about RPGs. All right. So you, you really <laughs> don't like the game. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So I guess, I mean, this topic's been talked about a lot. And, I mean, I'm sure anyone that cares has already heard or vo- voiced their opinion. So, I mean, so what other games have you been playing, Gary? Uh, oh, yeah. I actually forgot it was my turn. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, what else have I been playing? Um, I mean, am I just doing RPGs here, or should I, like... Anything. Just whatever okay. in general. Okay, well, um, I just beat Assassin's Creed Revelations last week, um, which was cool. It was one of the games I really wanted to catch up on during the downtime, because we all know during the summer, you know, there's kind of like a downtime where there's not a lot of big games being released and stuff. So I wanted to get that out of the way. So I beat that last week, but I won't really talk about it too much because I spoke about it on the co-op already. Um, what else have I been playing? Oh, I started playing Bioshock, which is a pretty cool game. That's Finally. One of, the, one of the games I've been trying to get around to playing for a couple years now, actually. So I finally started playing it. It's a really cool game. Can't really say too much about it at the moment because, you know, I'm... I'm not that far into it, but it, it's pretty fun. I can see why people really, really liked that game. Don't but, bother with um, the second one is a piece of crap. <laughs> yeah, so I keep hearing. But um, going on to RPGs, I actually bought, and you guys might be ashamed of me <laughs> for for talking about this, but I actually bought Final Fantasy VII for PC this week just to replay it again, because, you know, that game just never gets old. And, you know, I actually bought it for PC from the Square Enix website, and I've been playing that again and really enjoying it. I forgot how good it was. Like, the game just sucks you in. And um, I also, today I actually bought Final Fantasy III on my tablet, and I was surprised at how well that game, like, how well optimized it is for a tablet. Like, it plays really well. 
So yeah, I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy this week, basically. It's never a bad thing. No, not yeah. at all. Yeah, I mean, when you consider the the series has gone to shit now, you know, I mean, it's good to to reminisce of how good the old games were. All right, well, I guess I'll go next. Yeah, I'll try to keep it brief, just to the stuff I've been playing recently. Uh, I already talked about Diablo three, uh, Dragon's Dogma. I'm still playing that every now and then. It's really, really good. Um, I talked about it on, I think, the co-op some and my reviews on the site, so I'm not going to talk about it too much, but it's... I, I really wish a, a lot more people gave, w- would play this game. I know it sold pretty well, but I feel like it deserves a lot more. It's... The world is really massive. The quests are really interesting. The voice acting isn't that great. I mean, it's not a perfect game, but, I mean, the parts that are good are really, really good. And... It it just has that intangible factor where whenever you're playing it and you finally, you know, get past an obstacle or defeat an enemy, you you feel really, really good about it because the game's pretty challenging. And it's not challenging to the point where you die all the time because it's not cheap, but battles against, you know, bosses and big enemies take a long time. They're, you know, half-hour endeavors where you have to, you know, constantly be paying attention, dodging attacks, and, you know, your pawns, your NPCs are, you know, helping out, and it's 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 a really, really good game. I, I, I really think everyone should play it. I wish they would put it on PC. Hopefully they do, because I feel like if Capcom can put Street Fighter on PC, they should put, you know, a massive open-world RPG that seems like it was made for PC gamers. Yeah, um, I'm surprised that's not on PC. Like, it, it looks like a real... PC game when you yeah like, when you see the videos and stuff it mm. looks like a PC game yeah the websites whenever it was coming out I would you know I checked and see what systems it was on I thought you know I checked a few different sites because I I couldn't really believe that they didn't put it on PC it's you know it's perfect for mm. PC just um, if they ever do let's hope they don't make a half-assed console port yeah yeah I mean that's what always worries me when they do when they decide to bring it on the PC and just port it over. Without working it from the ground up, maybe the if they don't put this one on PC, maybe the sequel will because that's already been confirmed. So I hope that first that that's on PC and second that they add co-op, because and also third that they let you customize what your NPCs do more, because the like the NPCs they're they're really smart, they're really helpful. Uh, you know they, I think it's a really nice feature of the game, but at the same time you don't really get to tell them what to do at all, which can be kind of frustrating if you're fighting an enemy. And most of the time, they know what enemies are weak to, but if you want them to use a specific spell or do something very specific, they, they a lot of the time they don't. And so you mean like a tactics system or something? Yeah, so exactly. Can... Like a lot of RPGs, you can go in the menu and say, if you know a party member has less than 20% health, heal them. Yeah, yeah. Or like if, you know... If I'm like if if I'm stunned or something, cure me or something like that, and so I think something like that would make a lot of sense for the second game if they continue using the pawns, because yeah, that was definitely missing. And also just being able to play with another person that that's something the game could really benefit from. And uh, yeah. last, uh, Darksiders two, I'm not going to talk about that too much because my review is going to be posted probably early next week. And um, that game's just... I mean, if you played the first one, it's that 
plus RPG elements, plus an open world, plus uh, tons of loot. The combat isn't as repetitive now. It's not as easy. There's more dungeons. It's basically like a Zelda RPG with God of War combat. And it actually so, works. So how does like the open world work in with that type of game? I mean, it's not one giant world like Skyrim or something. Instead, there are four... I think there's four different worlds you go to that are all okay. pretty much open. That have like six or seven dungeons on each world. And then there's one hub world that kind of connects them all with portals you can travel to. But, I mean, it it is very much just like it's an open world game. Like, you can go explore. You can do side dungeons that aren't even part of the main story that you would have missed if you didn't explore. Um, I fought, like, entire bosses and got, you know, hour, two-hour long dungeons that turned out weren't even part of the storyline. They were just extra content. And so, I wow. mean, there's a lot of stuff in this game. And I, I mean, the loot system is what surprises me the most. Every enemy you kill, it seems like, drops something. There's treasure chests everywhere. You're constantly upgrading your items. You can, um, there are some items that are possessed, and you can feed them other weapons, and it improves them, which is kind of... <laughs> so it's like wow. a sort of, you know, apocalyptic take on upgrading it's a uh, you know uh, the whole game is just full of like little nuances like that that just make it you know, you can just tell that they put a lot of thought into it. That sounds good, man. Um, I mean, I, I enjoyed playing the first game. I never actually got to beat it, but I enjoyed it for the most part. So I'm I'm interested in trying out this one, definitely, especially from everything you've told me about it and all the RPG elements and stuff. Seems like I would enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, so that's about it for me. What about you, Eddie? Oh, I've Eddie, actually... Eddie, Eddie. Oi, oi, oi. <laughs> uh, I've actually been actually playing quite a bit. It, despite my um, busy life, I've actually had some time to play some games. One of them is Total War Shogun 2, the latest Total War game, with um, the Fall of the Samurai expansion pack. And I believe that I think uh, Creative Assembly has actually released the best Total War game to date. It's full of content, it's full of action, it's full of everything that was missing from Empire Total War. I think um, they've actually nailed it what they had bef- what they've, they used to have before in games like Rome Total War, and before that Medieval, well, yeah, Medieval Total War, and before that Shogun Total War. Since they've made a sequel to their first Total War game, everyone was excited about the melee combat. Everyone was excited about improved AI and naval battles. And no more clone soldiers that did the same thing as each other. Because every nation in Empire Total War, they pretty much had the same um, units. But in Shogun 2, it's more varied. It's more complex. And especially with the Fall of the Samurai expansion pack, you'd have guns mixing with swords. And what else have I been playing? Sonic Generations, in my eyes, I think it's one of the best Sonic games to come out. And I think it's the the best 3D Sonic game to release today. I was actually surprised when I saw you playing that, because like, I, I didn't know you liked Sonic at all these days, like after seeing all the fandom and all that stuff. I thought you'd completely gone off Sonic. 
But oh. when I saw you playing that, I was like, wow. That must really be a good game. The Sonic fans are a story for another time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it's nothing. It's nothing. I wasn't put off by the game because of Sonic or the Sonic fan base. It was really yeah. of Sega's track record, really. Because I did play oh, Sonic yeah, 06. Yeah, I did play Sonic 06, and my god, it was absolutely horrendous. And. Since then, they've had a bit of a rough ride to get to this point to where they are now. Sonic Generations has captured the old school Sonics along with bringing Sonic to the modern era. And so what exactly is Sonic Generations? Like, what, what do you get with it? Is it like a new game or is it like a collection of some of the old games? Or what? It's a, it's I, a I, new I never game. really understood. It's a completely new oh. game. It's kind of oh, like good. a celebration of what Sonic's been through through his uh, Sega Genesis years, from his, to his Dreamcast years, to his GameCube years, the PS2, up to this point. So you're playing as modern Sonic and classic Sonic. As in classic Sonic, you're playing in, in a 2.5 perspective in enhanced versions of his older levels. And they look yeah. absolutely stunning. You do kind of the same thing as modern Sonic, except it looks like Unleashed when you when you see him running. When you see you're behind him when you see him running along. Okay. And I think hats off to Sega. I think they've got their reputation back, and they've shown why Sonic is an icon. Uh, what else have I been playing? Um, hmm, let's see. Yes, Endless Space. Oh yeah, another RTS games because I am a fan of strategy games. Endless Space, a 4x real-time strategy game. The idea is to build an empire across the galaxy, and I'm absolutely in love with this game. It's got the best. I think it's got the best RTS interface I've ever used. It's so beautiful. It's like gliding through air. It's like you're controlling clouds. Uh, uh, Comparing it to Sins of a Solar Empire Rebellion, yeah, the the interface in that game is great, but it's just because it was so simplistic. Because it kind of made you... Because it kind of um, took your experience of clicking Windows in an operating system into account. But in Endless Space, they kind of revamped it. They turned... I think the... The, the Air interface. Which operating system uses Air interface? Windows 8, yes. You know, touchscreen... Interfaces, they kind of took that into influence, and um, it's like gliding. It's like gliding to what you need to see. You need to mm. see your planets. You need to see your. You need to see your ships. You need to see your resources. And watching battles in real time in um, real time three D is quite thrilling, especially when. So you're like, how how does it actually work? Like, can you go to like different planets and stuff, and just like take over sort of thing expand your empire exactly that's what you do you it's 4x rts 4x rtx 4x being explore expand exploit and exterminate that's the aim of these 4x rts games and i think endless space has pulled that off beautifully and for an indie developer that is one hell of an accomplishment 
I really want to try and get into RTS one day, though. I just got to find the right one to, to get into. The right one? As soon as I'm done reviewing... Oh, yeah, speaking of what we've been playing, as soon as I'm done reviewing Madden, also, I got that for the Vita and PS3. I'll post my review of that next week. But as soon as I'm done with that and Darksiders 2, I plan on trying to get into Star Wars, the Empire at War. That'll be my my first genuine attempt at getting into an RTS. I want to look at StarCraft 2 as well. That's a lot of fun, too. Eh... I'm just yeah, Starcraft. I, Starcraft seems like it's interesting if you really get into it. Like if you really start to understand it. I it am into like it. It's it, fantastic. I don't know. I just gotta try and like I gotta find an RTS that's easy to get into, and then you know like maybe after I'm invested, it will really get me into the genre a lot more to where I'll try yeah. out other games. And yeah. Stuff. See, that's what I'm thinking. That's why I picked one that was based in a universe that I already like a lot, like Star Wars. Because I don't yeah. have to, you know, spend the extra time trying to get interested in the world. I'm already interested in the world. So it's just the gameplay that I'm going to have to get warmed up to. I think you'll grow to like it if you guys give it a chance. Because it gives you a lot of things to do in a very simplistic manner. And I think when you get your grip, your teeth into the meat of RTS games, you'll find a lot to enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I like, I like Mountain Blade a lot. And that has some elements. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, because, I mean, when you really think about it, RPG games have a level of strategy, so it shouldn't be hard to cross over to RTS. Oh, yeah. But it's just, it's just like... Especially turn-based RPGs. Yeah, exactly. Like King's Bounty. Uh, Oh, yeah, King's Bounty. I remember we played that at your house one time. Mm, And you liked it. I remember I had the Sega Genesis one. I liked that one a lot. I still got it. Yeah, I I don't want to talk about that. Whenever I was younger... I sold my original Genesis with over 60 games at a garage sale. Oh, no. Yeah, I... Yeah, I'm, I I don't want to think about it right now. It was a very emotional time for me. Take your time. Take your time. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on quick, okay? Yeah, yeah. Before things get a bit too personal. <laughs> so, that's what we've been playing. And uh, be sure to let us know in the comments what you guys have been playing, but... Now we'll move on to the news. We're going to try to keep this section briefer than we did in the past. Um, First, we'll talk about, of course, Mass Effect 3. It seems to always come up in every turn-based ever. uh, (laughs) Because recently they've announced the first single-player DLC. uh, The Leviathan DLC. So, yeah. Yeah. And I really, really do not care because... I'm not going back to Mass Effect 3. I'm done. I'm not playing that game ever again. Me neither. I, okay, wait, I wait, agree wait. I'm, for I'm now. I'm not going to say never again, actually, because there might come a day where I'm like, oh, remember that game Mass Effect? Let me just play play all three games real quick. You'll be and disappointed might, once might... again. I know I'm going <laughs> to do that again, because I never, I've only played through each of them once, and yeah. so I played them pretty much Paragon. And so I'd be really interested in trying out just a Renegade playthrough. I already made my character, actually. After the night I finished the third game, I was like, okay, I'm going to go back and make a character for my next playthrough, but then I never actually played it. I just made the character. But Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, because, like, I mean, I, I could see myself maybe going back to the series in, like, three, four years or something. But, 
you know, for now, I really do not want to play Mass Effect 3 again. So I don't care about any DLC. Like, that that extended cut DLC, that was it for me. After I saw that, like, that was it. I didn't care anymore. I mean, because yeah, I think if the game had launched with that, then we might not even be having this discussion right now. Because, I mean, if it had launched with an improved version of that, things would be a lot different. I mean, that extended cut DLC was pretty half-assed. There was just, you know, after you beat the game, there was a few pictures and some dialogue. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I mean, if they had launched with the, with that information, and maybe it was like actual cutscenes, and it, you know, answered more questions and stuff, then I, I don't think I would be quite as upset. I would still be upset that all of the choices you got to make didn't affect anything. But, I mean, the ending itself would have been better, but it's just hard to look at it that way whenever you experience the original. So... I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure I'll play the DLC eventually. Like you said, probably on my second playthrough, I'll download it before I play it and be like, "Oh yeah, I wonder how this is." <laughs> and then it's right before I enter the crucible, I'll just stop because I know what happens. <laughs> I'll just pretend like Earth <laughs> got destroyed and I couldn't save it. <laughs> just refuse. Yeah. Refuse to do anything. And you, you can let. now in the extended cut. That's an option. Yeah, I know. I know you can. It's pretty cool too. I actually like that edition. Because whenever you do that, well, spoiler, I guess, if you if you don't want to know, so fast forward a little bit. But whenever you just I, refuse to do anything, or you don't want to know, no, no, we know I'm, what happens. I, I was gonna I was gonna say I don't care about spoiling it because like people shouldn't care enough about That's it anyway true. at this point. Well, That's, I know what happens. Yeah, so I think they should have added more because this was definitely the coolest ending. If you just don't do anything, then you know obviously everyone gets destroyed. And then it just shows, it fast forwards, and it shows someone finding the cube that Lyara made with all the information. And she starts talking about Shepard or whatever, and then that's the end. I think if they had added more to that, it would have been really cool, because it was a nice touch. What do you think they should have added? Uh, Maybe just, like, showing kind of someone doing more with the cube, or let you hear more of what the cube said, outside of just an introduction... Maybe show more of what happened to everyone, like show them, I guess, battling. And like if you made certain choices, maybe certain areas were spared. They weren't quite as destroyed as others or something. I don't know. Just more than just, you know, a 10 second clip of a cube. All right. So uh, moving on. Oh, oh yeah. But the DLC, if you're unaware, the, it takes place before the ending. So yeah. this is something you're going to yeah, have we'll- to go in and go back to a previous save or something and then play this somehow or whatever. And, yeah. And yeah, experience I think, Rich, I think Rich was saying something like, if you do play the um, Leviathan DLC, that it actually adds something new to the ending as well. God. Of course it does. <laughs> so it's like, it's like EA and Bioware just continuously trying to compensate for the ending now like (laughs) just please just stop like just stop we don't care anymore all right and so moving on the next piece of information is pretty juicy it's uh i think it's kind of funny i kind of knew this would happen a lot of people that play mmos that i'm friends with knew this was going to happen eventually uh so the old republic is going free to play before the end of the year it's already dropped below a million subscribers. <laughs> um, 
the game uh, I've I've told I've talked about my impressions on turn based in the past. It's it's a high quality MMO. It's very traditional outside of the you know the fancy cutscenes and dialogue and stuff. Besides yeah. that, it's not innovative at all. I mean, it's a Star Wars MMO. It's like you're playing any other MMO. It's just in the Star Wars universe, which is cool. But I mean, the game is it's just a regular MMO with some fancy cutscenes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, mean uh, I actually really want to try this still. Like I've been meaning to try this for the longest time, but obviously the prices kept me away. And um, now that it's going free to play, I'm I'm definitely going to try it out. But at the same time, you know, Guild Wars Two is coming out, which I kind of want to get into as well. So, you know, it's it's going to be hard to play two MMOs together. So. Yeah, I mean, that's the good thing about the free ones, though. There's not, you know, you don't have any obligation. You don't feel like you have to play it to get your money's worth. So I think yeah. it's good that they're letting more people experience it. And, uh, I mean, who knows, maybe more people, they'll probably end up making more money this way. That's what usually happens, because more people try it out. And yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, I actually do like this a lot. Oh, I'll just, I'll buy this one little XP booster for right now. And then, you know, next yeah. thing, you know, they buy something every week. For, you know, just like maybe they spend five or ten dollars a week. Well, you add that up. That's more than a subscription cost. Yeah, and exactly. So, I mean, that that's what a lot of developers are doing now. So, so speaking of free to play MMOs, there's actually a lot of them on Steam now. I don't know if many people know about this, but if you go to Steam and go to the under genres and game genres, you can find free to play. And there's, you know, dozens of games on there now. And a lot of them are really, really high quality, especially some of the MMOs that you wouldn't really expect to be on something like Steam. You can, you can play The Lord of the Rings online for free on Steam, and that's a you know a really high quality traditional MMO. Um, you can play Champions online. That game's pretty fun. It's a superhero MMO. It's pretty unique. Yeah, uh, we played that before. It was pretty fun. Yeah, we played a little bit of it. Um, mm. Yeah, it's it's a good game. It's you know it's fun to play. It's kind of more action combat, so it's a little more fast paced. You can get different powers, customize your costume. There's hundreds of thousands of options. Um, I would like to try it again on my new PC because like when I played it before, I had a lot of lag and like you know I don't know if it was from my computer or something, but you know now that I've got a, a, a better PC which I built by myself, like I think it would run a lot better. So I'm interested in trying that again. Yeah, we definitely should sometime. We can make a super group. Me, you, and Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. The awesome guild. (laughs) Yep. And uh, another one I wanted to highlight real quick is Fallen Earth. I know I've talked about that one a little bit. That's on Steam now as well. It's uh, Is that the Fallout one or something? I mean... That's a lot of people compare it to that. It's just it's a post-apocalyptic MMO is what it is, but it has real-time combat. So you know you get guns and stuff, and it's not you know like a turn-based MMO where you just click auto attack and wait for you to hit them or shoot them. You actually aim down the sights and have to shoot to hit your to hit other players, to hit enemies. The same thing with melee. You have to actually hit them with your weapons. So that's it's pretty cool, and I mean the graphics aren't amazing. It's it's fairly dated, but it has a really cool crafting system. You can, you know, make motorcycles if you find the right parts. Uh, you can get horses. I mean, there's, you know, a lot of scavenging. You can make your own 
weapons and armor and that kind of stuff. It's it's a, it's a cool game. There's different factions and it's it's pretty fun. I like it and it's free, so I mean, it doesn't hurt to give it a try. All right. So moving on is a game that all of us are very excited about for this month or not this month. This episode spotlight uh Guild Wars 2 is almost upon us. Mhm. And I didn't really play the first one a whole lot, but my excitement for Guild Wars 2 is about at the same level or higher than it was for Mass Effect 3 or Skyrim. What? I've, strong. I've never... Well, first of all, I've never been this excited for an MMO before. And second is I've never been around for the launch of an MMO before. And third is that this is one of the greatest games I've ever played in my life. It hasn't even came out yet. Just based on the beta impressions, I've put in, you know, over 60 hours between the different testing periods, and, I mean, I, I cannot wait to play more of this game. Uh, I, I've i written my impressions on the site. It's a pretty lengthy article. It, I mean, if if you like MMOs or if you like RPGs, you should play this. If you don't like those two things, then you should definitely play this. Because it, it, it's everything that is right about MMOs. It's, it makes them what they're supposed to be. I, yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah, and I mean, I guess this segment is kind of for me to pick your brain so that I learn more about it and everybody else listening learns more about it because I never played Guild Wars 1. I don't really know too much about it. But uh, you have been giving me some information here and there. And I am interested in buying the game. I already joined your guild and everything. So I'm I'm definitely going to try the game. There's no doubt about it. But I definitely want to learn more about it. Because, you know, it seems like a really great game from what you've been telling me. But, um, I mean, my first question is, like, okay, how does the character creation work? And, like, what type of classes and stuff are available? Okay. So at launch, there's going to be five races there's the humans the norns which are basically just nords they live you know up in the mountains in the icy tundras and all that there are the char which are creatures from the original guild wars they used to be your enemies but this is you know hundreds of years later and so the politics of the world have changed and um they're they're kind of like wolf man beast creatures they're pretty cool looking um, there's the Silvari, which are creatures that are kind of grown in a way. They have a very strong connection with nature, so they kind of look like they have, you know, their hair sort of looks like leaves and stuff, and their skin has bark and stuff on it. And so they're they're pretty unique looking. And then there's the Asura. I haven't really looked too much into the lore of them. I haven't played with any of them yet, but they're very small, kind of mouse-like creatures. Um yeah, so those are the five races you can pick from. And each of them has their own entire starting area that is, you know, gets you all the oh, way up wow. to level 15 or 20 just for that location. And um, then each then there's eight classes. Every race can be any class. It doesn't matter. Um, the classes are warrior, which um, they specialize in just using a lot of different types of weapons. Um, there's Guardian, which is kind of like a Paladin-type class, where you have, you know, skills that do different buffs and debuffs, and, you know, you can focus on defense and that kind of stuff. 
it's a more defensive warrior, essentially. There's the thief, uh, which is like an assassin-type character. Um, there's the ranger, which gets pets and uh, different types of weapons like that and traps and that kind of stuff. Um, then you also have the elementalist, which is your basic mage. Um, the cool thing about the elementalist, or actually every class has different things to make them unique, but the elementalist has four different elements that you can cycle between during combat. And every weapon you use in Guild Wars 2 has its own set of skills that you unlock the more you use it. And oh, wow. so the elementalist can use, you know, a staff, a scepter, and a dagger. And so the staff is two-handed and also a focus. The staff is two-handed, but then and for the one-handed weapons, you can mix and match. You can have a dagger in your left hand, a scepter in your right hand, or a scepter in your left hand, a dagger in your right hand. Each of those, depending on which hand you put them in, have different skills, too. And so that you have all of those combinations times the amount of different elements. So there's four elements times all the different weapon combinations. Those are all different skills you get. And so the Elementalist has tons of abilities they can use in combat, and you can actively switch between them. And so, you know, it has four elements. Fire, which focuses on doing damage to big areas. Water, which is kind of more support-type skills. Lightning, which does, you know, a lot of damage to single targets mostly, and they have a lot of evasion skills. And then Earth, which is um, kind of more defensive in a way. It also does... Um, just kind of more different types of conditions and that kind of stuff. And let's see, there's also the Mesmer, which is kind of like a mental wizard where you can create clones of yourself when fighting. So like enemies and <laughs> wow, players. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So, you so can, like, a, like a decoy or something. Exactly. And you can have tons of them running around. And that, I mean, they don't have anywhere near as much health as you, but they look very similar. So in PvP... It's pretty useful because people aren't really going to know which one is you. <laughs> um, there's also an engineer, which is, you know, he gets different weapons like flamethrowers and that kind of stuff and different technological stuff. Um, let me see. Can, like, the engineer, like, make weapons and stuff, maybe? I mean, yeah, there's all different types of crafting. There's, like, eight different crafting fields you can go into. There's cooking, weaponsmith, armor, leather work, uh, jewelry, all different kinds oh. of crafting. Um, wow. I can't remember if I missed any of the um, classes. How many did I name? Was that seven or eight? I feel like I'm missing one. Uh, warrior, Guardian, Elementalist, Mesmer, Thief, Ranger, Engineer. That's seven. What's the eighth one? I feel like it's one that I haven't really played, so I don't really care about it. Um... Like, maybe it's something for ranged attacks or something, like bow and arrow or something. No, like that's that. that's the ranger. Okay. I'm drawing a blank here. Necromancer, that's what it is. You can summon okay. minions and uh, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, necromancer, that's the last one. Yeah, so there's those eight classes, and then there's five different races. Each race has its own story, own individual storyline. Um, but... Each person that plays a race isn't going to have the same story as you. Whenever you create your character, you answer a series of questions, and based oh, on what wow. your answers are, it develops your story around that. Wow, see, I like that, because it's like customizing. See, the, the thing is with MMOs that I don't like sometimes is that you you don't really feel like 
you know, you're an individual in this big world. It's like you can walk across, you, you can like find another player who looks exactly like you and is like, you know, having the same exact kind of experience or whatever. But with this game, it sounds like you could you feel real unique within that world sort of thing. Exactly, because the questions you answer develop your own personal story, and a lot of the story elements are instanced, so you're not going to see other people around, and you actually feel like it's a story tailored around you. Um, and yeah. then as far as like doing the same quest, well, okay, I'll, I'll get to the I'll get to the quest later. But whenever you create your character, you pick. Um, the colors of each individual armor piece. And so, like, yeah. your your body armor, the top piece, there's, like, three yeah. different colors you pick to customize what the layout is. And that same color layout gets transferred onto every other piece of armor that you find throughout the game. And you can customize the colors. You can change them anytime you want just by going to your character screen. And so you can always look different than anyone else. Even if you're wearing the same armor, you're going to look different still. Oh, that's good. Yeah. See, I, I like that because I like to feel like an individual in, you know, in these MMOs. Like, I, I want to feel unique. Like, there's nobody else like me in this game. Exactly. And then that combined with all the different combinations of skills and weapons. I mean, you could see a guardian running around using a two-handed hammer that focuses on doing a lot of different damage to people. And then you can also see a guardian that has like a wand and a focus on the other hand that does like ranged attacks and like support spells. And so that's another thing. Every class is built around the idea of being able to fulfill any role that and that you can think of. Like there aren't healers in Guild Wars 2. There aren't classes that only focus on damage. There aren't classes that only focus on tanking. All the classes can do any role. Every oh, class, every class can heal. You know the holy trinity of you know damage dealer, tank, and healer. That's gone. They don't have roles anymore. They're not called classes. They call them professions because you're not locked down to a single class of character type. So like I've seen, you know, I've I've seen videos or read articles where people put that theory to the test, where they have you know six elementalists go into a dungeon together, and you know with teamwork that actually works. You don't have to have a tank and a healer because all the classes supplement each other. And if you work together, then you can do any combination. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Cause like one thing is like, cause, cause I know if like, once I get this game, I'm probably going to spend like hours in custom, like customizing the character and stuff. Oh, easily. Yeah. Cause so, you start out with five character slots too. So you're going to be able to create, you know, five different characters right off the bat. Oh, that's cool. But one thing I don't like, like, this happens to me a lot in Skyrim, for example. Like, when I first started playing Elder Scrolls in general, like, it happened a lot in Oblivion. Like, I would choose one specific type of character and then, you know, start building on a, on a certain skill and everything. But then eventually I'd, I'd think, you know what, I, I actually want to play like this now. But then, you know, it's it takes a lot of time to, to build up the skills to, to actually, you know, play play that way because you've already been using your your skills in another way. So it gets, like, kind of hard to switch between them. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, so, the good thing about this game that's not like a single-player game or a lot of other MMOs is if you decide yeah. you want to do a different play style, you can make another character and just choose, like, a different race or answer different questions at the beginning. 
and you'll have a completely different story. Like, you're not going to have to play through the same content. You'll have a different story for that next character, so it's not going to get repetitive at all. And then when, yeah. whenever you level up in the game, um, you get different skill points, and you unlock different tiers of skills. And so you get to customize and pick, you know, do you want to save up three or four skill points to get that one skill that you really want, or do you want to, you know, buy two or three that only cost one point? And so you... Because on the, on the left bar is your weapon skills. And then on the right bar are the skills that you get to customize. And so you get the combination of the two of them. Oh, okay. Sounds good, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm so excited for this game. Oh, oh yeah, one other thing. Whenever earlier I said I was going to talk about the quests. Uh, I mean, you know yeah. how like most MMOs or RPGs in general, whenever you talk about questing, you... You know, you go to a town, you see exclamation marks over people's heads, you go get the quest, go kill, you know, ten goblins, come back, get your reward, that kind of thing. This game doesn't have any traditional quests at all. So what this game has, you, whenever you're exploring a new world or a new area, you will see dynamic events happening around you. So, like, let's say there's a farmer he'll start calling for people to come help him whenever bandits attack. And so, you know, there are quests like that in other RPGs, but in this one you actually see the bandits coming to attack the farm. And if you don't help, the bandits take over the farm. And so the farm becomes like a bandit hideout. And so the game changes based on whether or not you do certain things. And so that's where you get your experience and, you know, the quest. that's the questing in Guild Wars 2. It's events that happen in the world that feel real instead of, you know, people standing in a town telling you to do stuff. So it's like real-time stuff happening. Yeah, yeah, and bosses will just summon in the world. And, like, everyone on the in the on the map will be notified, like, there's a boss here. And so that's, that'll be, like, a quest for you to go to defeat this giant tree boss that just came out of the forest. So, like, it, okay, say, for example, me, you, and Eddie, we, um, we get into a game together. Like, what is our central objective like because we could be at different parts of the story or something but like so what what would the three of us do once we meet up in the game sort of thing okay yeah yeah and see the game first is that they're you start out with your own personal story and they don't enter they don't intercept with other storylines at the beginning at all like whenever you're a norn you start out for my guy at least that based on the questions that i answered i was trying to become the best warrior in my village. So I went around fighting all the other warriors and like proving myself to the chief leaders and stuff. But then you have, you know, the, you can have this personal storyline of a human where, you know, I, my human elementalist was, um, it was a noble in the town, like in the castle. And so I spent a lot of my time going, going around the castle and talking to different people and getting, you know, getting acquainted with the different people in the town, and so those are the those are the storylines for how it started. Um, in the beta, the storylines didn't really go past level fifteen or twenty. They didn't put the content in there, so I can't really say like when they start intersecting with other races. But there is oh, okay. there is a big overarching story. There's you know giant dragons and stuff that are going to be bosses near the end of the game. And I mean, this is all just PVE that I'm talking about. There's, there's an entire tournament PVP mode that's all structured. 
there's a world versus world mode where it's three servers that fight against each other all wow. on one giant continent. It's a whole separate map. It's like a separate game. That's how large this continent is, where there's fortresses, there's different castles, there's control points. There's quests that you can do in World vs. World that level you up and you get experience and loot and items and money. And then you can you can play World vs. World and level up your character. You don't even have to play the regular PvE mode of the game. Okay. Well, I, I don't know if um, Eddie can chime in here. Like, Eddie, did you play... Um... <laughs> Did you play Guild Wars 1? Because I remember somebody talking about that game before. I'm just trying to see the comparison between the yeah. two. Yeah, I have played Guild Wars 1. Okay, so like, based on everything that's been discussed and what what's come out in the news and, you know, videos and impressions on the, the beta and everything, like, do you think that this game is like a huge step up compared to what the first game was? Oh my word, this is not just a huge step up from Guild Wars 1, okay? Guild Wars 1 actually followed the conventions of what to be expected from a role-playing game, and an MMO, for that matter. I think that um, Guild Wars 2 is not just a step up for MMORPGs, but RPGs in general. I think that what Arena and Net has accomplished here, in their game, they perhaps created one of the most enriched, comprehensive, unique, and vibrant game spaces ever developed in a role-playing game. I think that this is going to make you feel special as a gamer, and as a hero, and as a guild member, and as a citizen of, what's the place called? Tyria. Tyria. Yeah, Tyria or Tyria, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, the first Guild Wars was like, Hardly even an MMO, in my mind, because what you did was there was there was a town where all the other players gathered, and that's where you would get your, most of your quests. Then as soon as you left the town and went out into the world, it was instanced. Hmm. So you wouldn't see any other players. You'd only see people in your party. And so you, it was hardly an MMO. There was uh, the game was still really good. There were the combat was really fast paced and fun. PvP was great, but I mean it just for me, it lacked that certain something that got me immersed in a world. Uniqueness. And Yeah. And, I mean, I mean with Guild Wars 2 is... I, it, it's amazing that they have such unique, different areas in that game. I mean, like I said, you could play the starting quest for... Or the starting storyline for every race, and you probably wouldn't see anything similar more than once. I mean, I it's... That- yeah, go on. No, no, I'm done, I'm done. Okay. Uh, let's take another MMORPG, a major one. The almighty world of Warcraft, right? That's set in a fantasy realm. That's set in um, where millions, well, thousands of players all over the world, hundreds of thousands, can interact with each other. I think that in that game, that was the main focus of it, the social interaction, rather than... Exploring an, a fantasy land, an environment. It's really about how you interacted with the player characters. Hence, yeah. there was more um, uh, social structures that made things easier for you, like churches where players could get married and uh, 
taverns where they could converse. Guild Wars 2, I think there's more emphasis on adventure and excitement and exploring this amazing world where in real life you're just your average Joe, but over there in Tyria, you are the almighty Char or whatever race you choose to be. I think ArenaNet have, like I said, has created a game space where you really are the hero. You really are in a, another world. And this whole world is being created especially for you. Even if... Uh, let's take Skyrim, for example. I don't really want to compare Skyrim to Guild Wars 2 because they're two completely kinds of different games, right? And they offer two different experiences. Skyrim is, a, is an adventure for you. And for you alone. Yeah. Guild Wars 2 is an adventure for you that you share with your friends. I don't want to say which is better than the other because Skyrim I love because it's for me. But Guild Wars 2 is also for me and I can share my experience in Guild Wars 2 with my guildmates. I could. Yeah, I mean, speaking of adventure... One thing that really just kind of shows how much they encourage you to go out and just explore is that there are points of interest on the map where once you've, if you go and explore and find all the like hidden nook and cranny areas of the game, you get experience points just for looking and exploring the world. Without even doing anything, you could run around the map and look at everything and explore and you would gain experience points. But you can do, you can, you, you can play without fighting. Well, you have to fight sometime, but you can just uh, have a look around. Have you? Can, is that right? Yeah, I mean, if you just go sightseeing, you can gain experience points just for exploring the world. Well, so, so you can literally like just you know you're you're rewarded for however you play, kind of like yeah, you know. yeah, exactly. And it's they they make it so cool. easy to play with other people. You know, other MMOs. Let's say you're going through a dungeon with a friend, and you see another party of two or three people come up and they want to fight the boss too, you guys have yeah. to like take turns or wait for someone to finish before you can do it because you won't get the reward or you won't get experience. In Guild Wars 2, you gain experience by, you know, just by playing the game. So if other people are there fighting the same creatures as you, you don't have to join into a party to work together. You can just fight the same creatures and you, everyone gets experience. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. And so, like, if a if an event pops up where a boss is summoned, or like a you know, like I said earlier, like a like a giant tree from the forest is coming out. If you know, yeah. if you run over there and it's already halfway dead, you you won't get quite as much experience as the people that fought it the entire time, but you'll still get experience for helping out. And so, it the whole game just encourages you to play with other people and to just enjoy being in a different world with other people. Okay. To gain so this experience... You... Sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. To gain this experience, you will have to assist your fellow guildmates. You can't actually do this by yourself. It's not really a one-man job, right? Oh, what do you, what do you mean? Well, you said the experience would be a share... Well, distributed amongst if you work as a team, yeah? Oh, no, it's not distributed. Mean- Everyone gets it individually. Ah, okay. Yeah, I just mean, like, you're not penalized for hitting an enemy that someone else is already fighting. You're rewarded for helping. Like, there's no kill-stilling in Guild Wars 2. Like, if someone's fighting, 
a creature and they're trying to level up and they've killed, you know, maybe they got its health down like one fourth of the way. And, you know, if a higher level character comes up and kills it, they don't steal your experience. You both share it. Like everyone, everyone is rewarded for playing the game. That's great. Cool. Yeah, and everyone has their own loot too. Oh, cool. That's good. So there's no like fighting for loot and stuff. No useless loot. Diablo. 3. Oh, um. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna ask. Like, do you know how big this game is gonna be? Like to download as well as. Space oh, jeez. 25 gigs, um, isn't it? Yeah, really? it's, it's, it's got to be up in the dozens, yeah. Okay, I'm buying it on disc. Why is that? My internet is slow. Oh, okay. Yeah, and another thing, just one more quick thing I'll touch on, because I know we're kind of running pretty... It's getting pretty long. But um, the, the way the combat works... You know, in most traditional MMOs, like... You target an enemy, you click one to turn on your auto attack, you hit your skills. It doesn't matter if you move. You know, you just you stand still and you just kind of take turns hitting each other. And you wait until, you know, you kill the enemy, then you go rinse and repeat. In Guild Wars 2, the combat is actually fast-paced and action-oriented. So, I mean, there is an auto attack. You can push one to turn on your auto attack. But you can dodge attacks of enemies. So like, there's... How, I don't know how many MMOs I've played. I don't think I've played many others that have dodge rolling. Like, if you double tap a direction, you dodge roll. So if a boss is powering up a big attack, if they have you targeted, you're not just going to get it automatically hit. You can dodge out of the way. If, you know, there's an archer shooting down, a, like, a, a giant rain of arrows, you can get behind a tree and they won't hit you. Or, like, if there's, you know, spells being shot at you, you can find cover, you can dodge out of the way. So, I mean, there's stuff like that makes the combat a lot more interesting. And you have to actually, you know, try to maneuver while you're fighting and be constantly moving. And so, I mean, it's it's a lot better than just standing there, cycling through the buttons. Okay. It, like, is the control scheme pretty easy to, to get used to? Yeah, I mean, it, the control scheme is essentially the same as any other MMO. You have your skill bar that's like, I think, 1 through 5 are your weapon skills, 6 is your heal, and then 7, 8, 9 are your different utility skills that you level up and you get to pick from. And then I think 0 is your elite skill. You don't unlock that for a while. And then you, you know, hold down the right mouse button to move the camera, WASD... You can double tap a direction to dodge roll. So I mean the the controls okay. are pretty intuitive. They they're very easy to get the hang of. Okay, that sounds simple enough. Like as long as you like you're just pressing the numbers and then you know W A S D and then, you know, controlling with your mouse and stuff. Yeah. That exactly. sounds pretty that sounds pretty straightforward. Okay, well I'm definitely sold. I can't wait to play the game. Um I'm glad I joined the guild. I'm sure we'll have some fun times together on the game. Yeah, looking yeah. forward to it. Uh, speaking of, Eddie is part of the guild as well, and if you're listening and you're interested in playing with people and you you want to be part of a guild whenever the game launches, feel free to stop by the site. It's shadowoftruth.net. Uh, you don't have to have played the first game to really you know get involved. Uh, I, I never played the first game, really. 
Um, it's, a, you know, mature players, you know, you have to not be a little kid. That'd be preferable. Um, no drama, you know, just... If you just want to be part of a guild that just has fun and plays together, then you should go to the site and check it out. We we have we have forums and stuff, right? Oh yeah, we've been spending a lot of time. Me and the guild leader Zeridian have been yeah. spending a lot of time revamping the forums. We have an entire section now called the Shadow Sentinel, where we're going to have a weekly article that someone's going to write that's just talking about game features, um, anything that is posted on Coalition that has to do with uh, Guild Wars Two is going to be linked there. Uh, I have my my entire section, the Jaggernauts Journal. I'm going to be posting articles and stuff there. I mean, uh, yeah, if you're a fan of Coalition and you're going to be playing Guild Wars 2, you should join this guild because we're going to be doing a lot of stuff cross-promoting each other. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the disc version now. Like, is there any disadvantage or downside of buying it on disc compared to the digital version? I mean... You're going to have to patch it regardless, so there's still going to be a lot of disk space you're going to need. Because down the line, it's still going to, you know, as patches come out and it accumulates, you're going to need space. But, I mean, it it would save you some room to get it on a disk, but, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about hard drive capacity. I'm worried about downloads, because, like, my internet is, like, super slow. So as long as I can get rid of some of the initial download time by getting it on disk, then that's cool. I mean, I'm fairly certain that you can go ahead and download the client and patch it now. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. So I mean, if you buy the if you buy the digital version, you can pre-download and stuff. Yeah, because I whenever I pre-ordered, I got a link to the client, and I've had it installed. Even if I'm not playing in a beta, then I'm still I still patch it, and so I mean. Okay. So like. Um, for, is it like Diablo 3, for example, where you could, like, download and then, like, it lets you play after a certain amount of time sort of thing, even though it's not finished downloading? No. Okay. No, you, you have to be in the... Well, you have to have the entire thing downloaded. Okay. All right, well, that's all the questions I had. All right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that pretty much wraps it up. We've been... We've been talking for quite a while now. Uh, for upcoming games, keep an eye out on Borderlands 2 and Dishonored. They both look really promising. Uh, you should. Oh yeah, um, didn't you go to QuakeCon like and check these game out games out in person? Uh, not Borderlands. I did get to play Dishonored, and I talked to one of the directors of the from Arcane Studios, and uh, so that my impressions and the interview are both on the site. It's really awesome. It's like a mixture of Deus Ex and um, essentially like a, it, it, just that. I mean, it's it's like a very similar to Deus Ex. It's kind of a steampunk setting almost mixed with kind of Victorian era architecture. And uh, I mean, like there's really cool powers. You can, there are multiple different ways of completing each mission uh, I mean, the graphics are really nice. I really like the art style. I mean, it, it, it looks like a really cool game. Cool. I'll definitely check it out because it's Bethesda, so, you know. Well, I mean, they're publishing it. They're not developing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. true. Arcane Studios is what? developing it. They did 
um, Dark Messiah of Might and Magic, which I loved, and Arx Fatalis, which is also really good. Okay. I'll give it I'll give it a whirl once it comes out. And Borderlands two, I'm definitely copying that. Oh yes. So. Diablo with guns. That's what yeah. people pref- refer to it. Many pe- people refer to Borderlands as Diablo with guns. Yeah, and I'm getting it on PC as well, by the way. Good man. <laughs> Alright, well, keep an eye on the coalition.com for future turn based episodes. We hope to have it be less than six months before our next episode. And uh, just keep on gaming. Yep. See you Take care. Peace.